As we come to God's word tonight, I want to turn to a couple of verses. The first one is found in Luke 24 and it's verse 34. Luke's gospel chapter 24 and verse 34. The Lord is risen indeed. Now here's what I want you to latch on to tonight. And hath appeared to Simon. Hath appeared to Simon. And then over to 1 Corinthians 15. And if you go to verse 5. 1 Corinthians 15 and 5. And that he was seen of Cephas. Let's bow for a short word of prayer. O Lord, we would say with the hymn writer, Jesus, stand among us in thy risen power. Let this time of worship be a hallowed hour. Breathe thy Holy Spirit into every heart. Bid the fears and sorrows from each soul depart. Thus, with quickened footsteps, we'll pursue our way, watching for the dawning of eternal day. Lord, draw near to us tonight, we pray. We pray you bless each one who has come. You know our hearts, Lord. You can see into our innermost being and you see our need tonight and you see our concerns and you see our desires and we pray dear father that you would you would come and minister lord tonight by your spirit that our hearts might be thrilled as we think again about the lord jesus coming forth from the grave we commend ourselves to you and i take the promised holy ghost the blessed power of pentecost to fill me to the uttermost I take, he undertakes, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> the Lord Jesus appeared to Peter. You would have thought that the Lord wouldn't have wanted anything more to do with the one who denied him, not once, not twice, but three times. We've just sung that hymn, 327, Depth of Mercy Can There Be. I can just imagine Peter singing that hymn if it had been penned when he was around. I can imagine him singing those words, Depth of Mercy Can There Be, Mercy Still Reserved For Me. Can my God his wrath forbear, me the chief of sinners spare. You see, it was the Apostle Paul who said he was the chief of sinners. But I can just imagine Peter almost getting into an argument with Paul. No, I'm the chief of sinners. Paul, do you not realize what I've done? How I denied the Lord three times with oaths and curses. Paul, do you not know that I nearly killed a man in the Garden of Gethsemane? Cut off his ears or his ear. And by the way, in case you, you think that Peter intended to cut off his ear, it was just that he was a bad aim. He intended to chop his head off, but he missed. 
But isn't it amazing that the Lord Jesus makes a beeline for Peter after he rises from the dead? You would have thought that Peter would have been at the back of the queue for appearances of the risen Christ. You would have thought that the Lord Jesus would have uh, appeared to all the other disciples before he appeared to Peter. But in fact it was the other way round. He appeared to Peter before he appeared to any of the other disciples. Isn't the love of Jesus something wonderful? Wonderful, wonderful. Oh, isn't the love of Jesus something wonderful, wonderful? It is to me. Oh, the grace and the mercy of the Lord Jesus that he would appear to Peter, who was the biggest sinner among the disciples, if you like. He was the worst. Yes, the other disciples had deserted the Lord, but Peter had denied him. And I can just imagine Peter from the Thursday night, from that moment when the Lord looked at him and that piercing look pierced right into the heart of Peter as the cock crew. And from then until Sunday, until the the risen Christ appeared to him, I can imagine a man who was in pieces. He was in bits. Is that you tonight? If it is, you've come to the right place, not because I'm standing here talking, but because the risen Christ is here and he wants to do for you what he he did for Peter. He wants to meet with you just as he met with Peter. Oh, you won't see him in a vision. You won't see him with your bodily eyes tonight, but you will see him in the scriptures. That's how he will appear to you. By the way, that's how he appears to everyone today. In this blessed book. I want to say, first of all, in regard to the Lord's appearance to Peter and Let's understand that it was a private meeting. It was a private interview, we could say. It's, it's interesting that, that Luke doesn't say anything about the meeting. And neither does the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians. Neither, neither of those two writers mention anything or say anything about what happened when Jesus met Peter. It was a confidential meeting. It was classified, we would say. But you know, folks, aren't there times in our Christian lives whenever we have private meetings with the Lord just in the closet and it's just him and us and the Lord comes And he meets with us and he encourages us and we just feel his nearness. And it's just like the risen Christ draws near. And it's too special a meeting to broadcast it. It's a special conversation, if you like. It's a special meeting between our risen Lord and us. A special encounter between the Savior and the soul that he has saved. That's what it was like for Peter. And what a transformation took place. 
I want to say first of all tonight that in the life of Peter, the Lord Jesus turned a mess into a message. He turned a mess into a message. Boy, what a mess Peter had made. Denied the Lord three times. A wee kitchen maid had come to him. I mean, you'd have thought that Peter, who had bragged and boasted about how he was going to be loyal to the Lord, you'd have thought that, you know, a wee kitchen maid, she'd have been the last one that would have caused him to betray the Lord. But no, she did, and not only was she an instrument of the, de- of the devil used to bring about Peter's denial, but on two other occasions, three times, he denies the Lord. After having disgraced the Lord in the Garden of Gethsemane, to take the sword and to try to kill one to, to, to try to kill the high priest's servant. I mean he had he had made a complete mess. He had messed up big time. Have you messed up? Join the club. But you don't have to dwell in your mess. What you need to do with your, your mess is take it to the Lord Jesus, to the risen Christ, and he'll turn your mess into a message. You see, the Lord Jesus turned Peter from a mess into a message. We have read tonight from Acts chapter 2, and if you, if you want to go back to it there, just let me point out some truths from Peter's Pentecost sermon. And here's the man who messed up and here's the man who denied the Lord three times and disgraced the Lord in the garden. And what do we find? Lo and behold, now he's standing up in front of the Jews who have crucified the Lord uh, and he's not the least bit perturbed. The Lord has turned a coward into a lion. Or if you want to put it, he's turned a mouse into a lion. His cardice has disappeared and now he's courageous. And he stands up filled with the Holy Ghost. And that's what made the difference, by the way. But he stands up in Acts chapter 2 and in verse 24, he says, Whom God hath raised up, having loosed the pains of death because it was not possible that he should be holden off it. Isn't that amazing? It says it was not possible that he should be holden off it. In other words, it wasn't possible for the Lord Jesus to stay in the grave. How could the resurrection and the life stay in the tomb? Of course it was impossible. How could the Creator remain in the grave? It was an utter impossibility. And it says that God raised him up. You see, God the Father produced the receipt, we would say, by raising him from the dead. The resurrection is the receipt for Calvary. You go into a shop, into a store, and you you buy something and you get the receipt And your receipt is proof that the purchase has been made. And that whatever you have 
purchased, whatever you've bought, belongs to you. Well, the Lord Jesus on Good Friday bought heaven for every one of us. And God the Father raised him up on Easter Sunday. And that was the receipt. And we've all got the receipt now because we've got the Bible that tells us that Christ is alive. And so whenever we stand before the Lord someday, we can say, Ah, Lord, there's the receipt. Your son rose from the dead. And the pearly gates will open. You see, Peter's now become a message in the hand of the Holy Spirit. He's no longer a mess. The mess has been turned into a message. Oh, I'm not saying that Peter never failed the Lord after he met with the risen Christ. Of course he did. Every Christian feels the Lord. The Christian who says they don't, the, the, the Christian who says they never feel the Lord, they're only lying. There's not a just man upon earth that doeth good and sinneth not. In many things we offend all. I could quote verse after verse. But the, thing, the, the reality of it and the truth of the matter is that Peter now has a message. And he's got the risen Christ with him because the Holy Spirit is living inside of him. Look again at Acts chapter 2. And if you go down there to verse 32, this Jesus hath God raised up, whereof we all are witnesses. Witnesses of the resurrection. That's what made the difference for the disciples in the book of Acts. It was the doctrine of the resurrection. That's why the Lord moved. Because they majored on the resurrection. Everywhere they went, they spoke of a risen Christ. And we must do the same. And they encountered hatred. And we'll encounter hatred as well. You see, folks, the thing about it is, nobody hates a dead person. You get that tonight. The reason that the devil and the world hate Christ is because he's alive. If he was dead, if he was still in the tomb in Jerusalem, nobody would bat an eyelid about him. Because nobody hates a dead person. He's forgotten. But Christ is alive and that's why he is hated by so many people today. Oh, I know that he's loved by us because he has saved us and washed us in his blood. But the vast majority of people out there hate him and hate his guts. Hate them and despise them and loathe them. I wouldn't like to be in their shoes when they stand before them. Now how could you hate the one who turns a mess into a message? You see how tenderly. And this thought has just been coming to me over the last 24 hours. How tenderly. The lovely Lord Jesus dealt with Peter. The one who had messed up. Have you messed up today? Did you mess up yesterday? Did you mess up last week, last month, last year? Did you do what Peter did, chop the ear off somebody? In other words, what I mean is, what you've done has 
caused people to turn away from the gospel and has turned their ears from the gospel. That can happen. But I'm not here tonight, folks, to hammer you down further. You don't need that. The devil is good enough at doing that without me doing it. But I'm here tonight by the grace of God to lift you up and to tell you that the one who, who um, turned Peter from a mess into a message can do the same for you and for me. Because we all mess up. Don't you be discouraged, by the way, if people point the finger at you and criticize you and say, you, you messed up, I mean, you did that or you said this or whatever. Let them do that. Let them criticize and ridicule. Let them point fingers. Doesn't matter. The Lord can turn a mess into a message. And then, hallelujah, when it, came, when it comes to the life of Peter, the Lord Jesus turned a test into a testimony. Not only a mess into a message, but now we find that Peter, we find that there, there's a test that becomes a testimony. Peter had been tested. The Lord Jesus said in Luke chapter 22, Satan has desired to have you that he may sift you as wheat. In other words, what Jesus was saying was, Peter wants to test you, and he doesn't want to test you, uh, or Satan wants to test you, Peter, and he doesn't want to test you so that all the dross will disappear, but he wants to test you to bring you down and to destroy you and to, to leave you in the scrap heap. And the test came, and Peter failed the test. Have you failed? The Lord had a test for you. And you didn't pass the test. You didn't pass his exam in your Christian life. You let him down. Well, that's what happened to Peter. What did the Lord say to Peter when he rose from the dead and met him? Peter, you're a disgrace. You're an excuse for a disciple. I want nothing more to do with you. I've given you enough chances. That's not what I read in my Bible. No, the Lord Jesus comes to Peter and I can just imagine our tender, gracious, merciful Redeemer saying something like this. Peter, I know all about it. I know how miserable you are. I know that you feel that you deserve hell. In fact, you feel that you deserve a hundred hells. But Peter, the blood of Jesus Christ cleanseth from all sin. And Peter, I'm going to turn a test into a testimony in your life. You're going to become a testimony for me, Peter. You're going to testify for me, Peter, on the day of Pentecost. When the church is born, on the church's birthday, Peter, you're going to be my instrument. I'm going to speak through you. And Peter, you know what's going to happen? 3,000 people are going to be saved. I can just imagine Peter sitting there 
with his head bowed, so ashamed of himself for denying the Lord and disgracing the Lord, and and he can hardly believe what he's hearing. Lord, risen Lord Jesus, are you have you actually still got a work for me to do? You mean to say, Lord, that I'm still useful to you? You mean to say, Lord, that you're not going to abandon me? You're not going to disown me the way I did to you? And Jesus turns and looks at Peter and he says, you got it in one. You're exactly right, Peter. That's why I came into the world. I came to turn a mess into a message, a test into a testimony. And then the Lord Jesus in the life of Peter, he turned a trial into a triumph. A trial into a triumph. Peter had many trials in his life. Of course, he spoke about trials in um, first is the book of First Peter. You see, Peter not only preached about the resurrection, but he wrote about it in First Peter. But in First Peter chapter four, Peter says, "Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you, as though some strange thing happened unto you." You see, Peter knew in his own experience that the risen Christ had turned a trial into a triumph. And he can do the same in our lives, folks. Are you going through a trial at the present time? Is it a fiery trial? Are you in the heat of the furnace right now? Has this trial been ongoing for days, weeks, months, maybe even years? And you can't understand it. But that doesn't matter because the Lord understands it. Maybe physical pain. Could be disappointments of one kind or another. Could be bereavements. Could be 101 things. But the trial has been ongoing. And you don't understand it. The devil has been attacking you and seeking to drag you down in this trial. But I want to encourage you tonight that the Lord can turn your trial into a triumph. There's the story told, of course, of the blacksmith's Um, workshop and the blacksmith as he was making a beautiful ornate gate he he didn't um, make it himself but he got a big burly boy with a sledgehammer to to hammer the iron and to hammer the gate into shape and all the blacksmith had to do was say, say to the big burly boy now you hit here and hit here and hit there and the big boy, he was as thick as champ, we would say. But he just, he, he was good with a sledgehammer. So he hammered the iron into shape and the gate was formed. Do you know in our lives as Christians, that's the way it is. 
the Lord Jesus tells the devil, Now you hit there, hit there, hit here. And the devil hammers us left, right, and center, but he's not, he's not going to defeat us and, uh, and destroy us. He's, he's actually going to do the opposite. He's going to accomplish the Lord's perfect plans and purposes for our lives. And the Lord is going to make something beautiful out of your life through the trial that you're going through. He did it for Peter, and he'll do it for you. He turned a trial into a triumph. And hallelujah, Peter wrote in 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 3, he said, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Uh, The resurrection had made the difference in Peter's life. And the tender treatment that the Lord Jesus had uh, ministered to Peter and the tender way that he had treated him and the love and the grace and the mercy that the risen Christ had shown to his erring child had made all the difference. And it gave Peter a hope, a lively hope, or what it actually means is a living hope, a hope that's going to live forever, it's never going to die If you're saved tonight, you also have that living hope. It will never die. How could it? Jesus is going to live forever. And we have hope. Eternal hope. Let me finish tonight. You've listened well. The Lord Jesus, in the life of Peter, he turned a mess into a message, a test into a testimony, a trial into a triumph, and thank God, a victim into a victory. A victim into a victory. Boy, Peter was a victim. The devil ambushed him in the Garden of Gethsemane. Peter's bragging and boasting. Pride was his problem. That's where it started. I'll never deny you, Lord. The rest of these boys will let you down, but you can count on me. And pride slew him. Just as it slew the devil, it brought the devil down at the very beginning. And pride brought Peter down. The devil ambushed him. And then, of course, Peter, he he lashed out in the garden. He was a victim. And then when he came to warm himself by the fire... Oh, the devil had it all wrapped up, as it were. The devil was just ready to devour him. And you can just imagine the devil laughing with glee as Peter gets into a tailspin, spiritually speaking, and he's on the way down. He's a victim. And when the Lord Jesus was crucified and put into the tomb, I can just imagine Peter... Let's be honest about it tonight. He probably felt like doing what Judas actually did, just going somewhere and committing suicide and ending it all. The victim of the devil. But what turned this victim into a victor? Well, it's very simple, really. It was that there was another victim who hung on the middle cross. 
And he was hanging there for Peter. He was dying for Peter. He shed his blood for Peter. The Lord Jesus, the great victim, is not what the hymn writer said. O Christ, what burdens bowed thy head, our load was laid on thee. Thou stoodest in the sinner's stead, didst bear all ill for me. A victim led, thy blood was shed, now there's no load for me. Are you a victim tonight, a victim of a whole lot of things, maybe, and maybe a whole lot of things that you couldn't even talk to me about tonight? And you don't have to. But hallelujah, you can talk to the risen Christ. You can tell him about all that you've gone through during your life. You can tell him about it all. You can even tell him about the past 24 hours. And boy, it might have been bad. You might have made a right royal horlicks, as they say, of the last 24 hours. But the Lord Jesus... The victim, he can apply his precious blood. Oh, victory in Jesus, my Savior forever. He sought me and bought me with his redeeming blood. He loved me ere I knew him, and all my love is due him. He plunged me to victory beneath the cleansing flood.